0: chapter 8 of the castle of twilight this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by christine the castle of twilight by margaret horton potter chapter 8 After the night of Geralt's passion, twelve days ebbed and flowed away without any incident of moment in the castle. How much bitter heart-life was enacted in that time! It had indeed been difficult to tell. Lenore wondered, constantly, as she looked into the faces about her and questioned them as she refused to question her own heart. If beneath that cloak of lordly courtesy and calmness Geralt could hide such a grief as she knew was buried in his soul. If she herself found it so easy to conceal her own knowledge of that bitterest of all facts that she was a wife unloved, what stories of mental anguish, of long hidden torture might not lie behind the impassive masks around her? There was Madame Eleanor, Madame of the commanding presence and infinitely gentle manners. What was it that had generated the expression of her eyes? Lenore had scarcely heard the name of Lore, thought only that there had been a daughter in crepuscula who had died long since and so she wove a little history of her own to account for that haunted look so often to be found in madame's dark orbs Geralt, she knew Alix puzzled her but there also she found food for her morbidness courtois and the demoiselles she did not consider but david the dwarf held possibilities the young woman's new sharpened glance quickly discovered that the jester suffered also from the devouring malady and she wondered over and pitied him also indeed at this time lenore was in an abnormal and unhealthy frame of mind it seemed to her that all the world lived only to hide its sorrows but her melancholy speculations concerning the nature of the griefs of others saved her from the disastrous effects of too much self-analysis her love for Geralt to which she always clung, led her to pity him as he would not have believed she could have pitied anyone, and, unnatural as it seemed, she brooded as much over his sorrow as over her own. Melancholy she was, indeed, and older by many years than when she had first come to Le Crepuscule. Sometimes the fact that Geralt did not know how much she knew brought her a measure of comfort, but it made her uneasy also, for she was not sure that she was not wrongfully deceiving him. She could not bring herself to confess to Father Anselm what she felt no one should know, and neither did she find it in her heart to tell Geralt himself of her inadvertent discovery, though had she but done this last, all might have come right in the end. But from day to day she put away from her the thought of speaking, and from day to day she drew closer into herself, till she was shut to all thought of confiding in him who had the right to know the reason of her unhappiness. Geralt, however, was not unobserving, and he noticed the change in her very early in its existence. It was an intangible thing, elusive, changeable, varying in degree. All this he realized, but, manlike, never guessed the reason for it, never knew that Lenore herself was unconscious of it. Did she desire to coquet with him, render him uneasily jealous of every one on whom she turned her eyes? if so it was useless for the knight believed himself incapable of jealousy in regard to her he had married her for the sake of his mother and for le crepuscule much as the fact did him dishonour in the very hour of their highest love his thoughts had been all for another and when she slept he had left her side to cry into the night and the silence unto that other of whom this young lenore had never heard despite these confessed things the signor gherult felt in some way hurt when the timid shadow of his wife no longer haunted him by day nor stretched to his protecting arm by night she had withdrawn from him into herself and even his occasional half-hours of devotion failed to bring any light into her eyes though she treated him always with half-tender courtesy her lord was not a little puzzled by her new manner but he took it in his own way and there was presently a stiffness of demeanour between the two that would have been almost laughable had it not been so pathetically cruel to lenore the month of july passed away and august came into the land brittany long blazing with sunlight lay parching for want of rain the moors grew brown and dusty and the meadow flowers bloomed no more but the blue sea shimmered radiantly day by day, and the sunsets were ever more glorious and more red. On a day in the first week of the last summer month, when Anselm had found the temperature too great for the casting of choice paragraphs of Cicero before the unheeding demoiselles, when the castle reeked with the smell of cooking, and the air outside was heavy with the odor of hard-baked earth, Geralt sat in the long room alone, reading Seneca from an illuminated text a heretical document this and not to be found in a monastery or holy place yet there were in it such scraps of homily wisdom and comfort as a seigneur something of a scholar in his idle hours had failed to find in holy scripture in its dimly lighted silence the long room was at this hour a soothing place the row of small casement windows were open to the sea and two or three swallows coming up from the water below flitted through the room and once even a sleek and well-fed gull came to sit upon a sill and flap his wings over the flavor of his last fish gerald's back was turned to the light yet he knew these little incidents of the birds and took pleasure in them a portion of his mind rejoiced lazily in the quiet and solitude the rest was fixed upon the latin words that he translated still with some lordly difficulty he found himself in the mood to consider the thoughts of men long dead and was indulging in the unsurpassed delight of the philosopher when to his vast annoyance courtois pushed aside the curtains of the door and came into the room followed by another man Geralt looked up testily but as he uttered his first word of reproach his eye caught the dress of a squire's companion and he broke off with an exclamation dame thou favriol may it please thee seigneur de grpusculeux was the reply as the newcomer advanced bowing he was elaborately and significantly dressed in a parti-coloured shirt coat of blue and white silk blazoned behind and before with the coronet and arms of duke jean of brittany his hosen was also parti-coloured yellow and blue and the round cap that he held in his hand was of blue felt with a white feather at his side hung the instrument of his calling a silver trumpet on a tasseled cord for he was a ducal herald and before he spoke gerald knew his errand welcome welcome favriol he said kindly what is thy message now surely not war nay signor gerald a merrier message than that lifting his trumpet to his lips he blew upon it a clear silvery blast and after the rather absurd formality began oye 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 be it known to all the princes barons knights and gentlemen of the duchy of brittany and the dependency of normandy and to the knights of christian countries if they be not enemies to the duke our sire to whom god give long life that in the ducal lists of Rennes and brittany upon the fifteenth day of this month of august in this year of grace thirteen eighty one and thereafter till the twentieth day of that month there will be a great pardon of arms and very noble tourney fought after the ancient customs at which tourney the chiefs will be the most illustrious duke of brittany appellant and the very valiant hugo de lassie lord and vassalage to his grace of england of the castle andeland in normandy defendant and hereby are invited all knights of christian countries not at variance with our lord duke to take part in the said tourney for the glory of knighthood and the fame of their ladies favriol finished smiling and important and from behind him rose a little buzz of interest for at the sound of the trumpet almost all the castle company had hurried from their various retreats to learn the meaning of the untoward sound In this group, not foremost, standing rather a little back from the rest, was Lenore, gravely regarding Geralt, where he sat with a parchment before him. She had recognized Favriol, the herald, for a familiar figure in the lists at that long-past tournament where she had first thought of being Lady of her Lord, and she grew a little white under the memories that the herald brought her. Geralt had seen her at the first moment of her coming and as soon as Fabriol finished his announcement beckoned her to his side she came forward to him quietly and took her place acknowledging the pleased salute of the visitor with the slightest inclination of her golden head when she was seated at the table Geralt, who had risen at her coming spoke our thanks to you sir harold for your message which you have come a long and weary way to bear to the one spurred knight in this house devotion to our lord duke jean who Geralt paused his mother had just come to the room and halted on the threshold a little in front of the general group her eyes travelling swiftly from Favriol's face to that of lenore Geralt, his thought broken hesitated for an instant and turned also to look at his wife instantly lenore rose and advanced a step or two to his side then she said in a curiously pleading tone i do humbly entreat my lord that he will not refuse to enter this tournament but that he will at once set out for Benz, there to fight for-for the glory of his knighthood and the-the fame of his ladies when lenore had spoken she found the whole room staring at her in open amazement Geralt gave his wife a glance that brought her a moment's bitter satisfaction a look filled with astonishment and discomfort long he gazed at her but could find no softening curve in her white set face every line in her figure bade him go at length then he turned back to favriol with something that resembled a sigh and continued his speech sir harold carry my name for the lists and my word that on the fifteenth day of this month i shall be in Rennes, armed and horsed for the tourney my challenge shall be sent anon courtois take thine ancient comrade to the keep and find him refreshment ere he proceeds upon his way Courtois bowed, wearing an expression of mingled pleasure and disapproval, and presently he and the herald left the room together, followed by all the young esquires. After their disappearance, the demoiselles also wandered off to their pursuits, and presently Geralt, Eleanor, and Lenore were left alone in the long room. Eleanor stood still, just where she was, and looked once, searchingly, from the face of her son to that of his wife. Then she addressed Geralt see that thou come to me to-night when i am alone in my chamber i would talk with thee gerald and with another look that had in it a suggestion of disdain madame turned and went out of the room when she was gone the knight drew a long sigh and then with an air of apprehensive inquiry faced lenore at once she rose and with a very humble courtesy started also to depart but geralt whose bewilderment at the situation was changing to anxiety said sharply stay lenore thou shalt not go till we have spoken together immediately she returned to her place and sat down she gave him one swift glance from under her lashes and then remained in silence her eyes fixed upon the floor At the same time the signor got to his feet, and began to pace unevenly up and down the room. His step was sufficient evidence of his agitation, but it was many minutes before he suddenly halted, turning to his wife and saying, in a tone of command, "'Tell me, Lenore, why thou biddest me go forth into this tournament?' "'Ah, my lord, do not I—' she paused, and from flushing vividly her face grew white again. "'Thou wilt be happier in Rennes, my lord. "'How say you that?' were i not happier at home here with my bride asks my lord wherefore answered lenore in a tone containing something that Geralt could not understand nay then i ask thee naught but this wouldst thou all for thyself of thine own will have me go dost thou when thy heart desire it lenore drew her head a little high and looked him full in the face for myself for mine own selfish desires of mine own will i entreat thee by that which through thy life thou hast held most dear, to go Geralt stared at her some vague distrust that was entering his mind continually foiled by the open-eyed clearness of her look finally then he shrugged his shoulders and as he turned away from her he said be satisfied madame i do your bidding i give you what pleasure i can in ten days' time i shall set off and thou wilt be unfettered in this crepuscular and with this last ungenerous and angry taunt the seigneur his brain seething with some emotion that he could not define strode from the room lenore rose as he left her and followed him unsteadily half-way to the door he went out of the castle without once looking back and when he was quite gone the young girl felt her way blindly to the chair where she had sat and crouching down in it burst into a flood of repressed and desperate tears when Geralt left lenore's side he was no whit happier than she after the herald had made his announcement of the tourney and Geralt had begun his reply it was his intent to refuse to go though in his secret heart he longed eagerly to be off to that city of gay forgetfulness but when his wife lenore the clinging child besought him with every appearance of sincerity to leave her he heard her with less of satisfaction than with surprised disappointment now he fought with himself now he questioned her motive again he longed for wrens and the tourney finally there rushed over him the detestable deceit in his own attitude and he began to curse himself for what sometimes he was the most intolerant and the most selfish of tyrants in these varying moods Geralt rode for the rest of the afternoon over the dry moors hawk on wrist but finding his own thoughts unhappy as they were more engrossing than possible quarries he returned late when the evening meal was nearly at an end and he perceived with dull disappointment that lenore was not at table madame presently informed him that she lay in bed sick of a headache and this was all the conversation in which he indulged while he ate his hurried meal but as soon as grace was said, and the company had risen, Geralt started to the stairs. Instantly his mother caught his sleeve and held him back, saying, Go not to thy room, she has perchance fallen asleep by now, and she should not be wakened, for she hath been very ill. Seek thou rather my bedchamber, and there presently I will come to thee, for I have somewhat that I would say to thee, Geralt. Feeling as he had sometimes felt when, in his early boyhood, he had waited punishment for some boyish misdeed, the Signore obeyed his mother and went up to her room, which was now wrapped in close-gathering shadows. Here, a few moments later, Eleanor found him, pacing up and down, his arms folded, his head bent upon his breast, a dark frown upon his brows. The windows were open to the evening, and, like some witchcraft spell, its sweetness entered into Geralt penetrating to his brain and once again turning his thoughts to the spirit that haunted all the corpuscule for him madame came into the room drawing the iron-bound door shut behind her and pushing the tapestry curtain over it then without speaking she crossed the room seated herself on her saddle beside the window and fixed her eyes on the moving form of her son under her look Geralt grew more restless still, and he was about to break the silence, when presently she said, in a low, rather grating tone, "No, Geralt, that I am grieved with thee. He turned to her at once with a little gesture of deprecation, but she went on speaking, Thou hast brought home from Wrens a wife, a fair maid and a gentle as any that hath ever lived, and, moreover, one that loves thee but too well in her little time of dwelling here she hath by her quiet lovely ways crept close into my heart that was erstwhile so bitterly empty and having her here and seeing her growing devotion to thee her continual striving to please thee in thine every desire methought that thou a knight sworn to chivalry must needs treat her with more than tenderness yet that hast thou not Geralt. dieu thou art all but cruel with her God knows thy father came to be not over-thoughtful in his love of me. Yet had he neglected and spurned me in our early marriage, as thou hast this bride of thine, I had surely made end of myself, or ever thou camest into the world. Shame it is to thee, and to all mankind, how, Madame, Madame, forbear!' At his tone Eleanor held her peace, while Geralt, after a deep pause, in which he regained his self-control, began, canst thou remember my mother a talk that we thou and i together in this room held one afternoon more than a year agone twas in this room the day before i went last to wren's thou didst entreat me to bring thee back a wife to be thy daughter in the place of lore at that hour the idea was impossible to me thou knowest for god thou knowest the suffering that time has never eased for me a thousand times I had vowed then, a hundred times I swore thereafter, that the image of mine own Lenore should never be replaced within my heart, and it holds there to-day as fair and clear as if it were but yesterday she went. Many months passed away, madame, and I saw this golden-haired maiden about wrens, in the ladies' gallery in the lists, and at feasts in the castle, yet I had never a thought in my heart of wedding with her then late in the spring saint nazaire sent me message of laura's disgrace her excommunication and my heart bled for thee i sent out many men to search my sister but not one ever gathered trace of her then when there was no further hope of restoring her to thee the idea of marriage came to me for the first time as a duty toward thee my whole soul cried out against it Lenore de Laval reproached me from the heaven where she dwells, and yet, in the end, for thy sake, madame, I brought home with me the gentle child men call my wife. I confess it to thee only. I do not love her. Yet, indeed, none can say that I have used her ill, save as I could not bring myself falsely to act the ardent lover. If she hath been unhappy, then am I greatly grieved. Yet what hath she not that women do desire in life? What lacks there of honour or of pleasure in her estate? Moreover, if she has lost her own mother, hath she not gained thee, dear lady of mine? Mon dieu, madame, think not so ill of me. I swear that for me she yearns not at all. Even this afternoon, when all of you had departed from the long-room, she did implore me, with sincerest speech, that I depart at early date for Rennes. How likes you that?' and moreover to all my questioning she did stoutly deny that my going would be for aught but her own pleasure and would in no way grieve her heart and gerald stared upon his mother with the assured and exasperated look of a doubly injured man madame Eleanor drew herself together and set her lips in the firm resolve still to treat her son with consideration when she began to speak her manner was calm and her voice low and quiet yet in her eyes there gleamed a fire that was not born of patience so Geralt, doubtless all thou sayest is sooth to thee yet i would tell thee this when thou leftest her alone i came upon her still sitting in the long room leaning her head upon the table where thou hadst sat weeping as if her heart was like to break and when her sobs were still i brought her up to her room and caused her to remove her garments and to seek her bed though all the while she shook with inward grief, till leeks brought her a posset, and bathed her head in elderflower water, and then at last she slept, and gave she no name to thee as cause for her malady. Art thou indeed so ignorant of us, or is it heartlessness? Wilt thou go to Rennes? Hath she not required me to go? Good heavens, madame, what wouldst have me do? He answered with weary impatience, Geralt! Geralt, if i could but prayer or anger make thee to understand for one instant only Ugh, tis the same tale that every woman has to tell it was so with me in my early youth i was brought from bright laval where i was a queen of gaiety and life to rule alone over this great twilight castle thy grandam was dead and there was no other woman of my station here in a few months after my home-coming as a bride and thy father rode away to join the army of montfort in the east from that time i saw my lord but a few weeks in every year for the war lasted till i had reached the age of four-and-thirty thou camest to cheer my loneliness and then long after lore and at last when lore was in her first babyhood seventeen years agone the long struggle ended at ore and then my lord sore wounded in his last fight came home alas i was no happier for his coming he had suffered much and he was no longer young we two so long separated were almost as strangers one to the other thou wast his great pride dost thou remember how he loved to have thee near him and many a time it cut me to the heart to hear the bloody valorous tales he poured into thine ears for i knew by them that he meant thee to do what he had done it was not till he lay in his mortal sickness that we came back one to the other but he died in my arms whispering to me such words as i had never had from him before that last is a sweet memory Geralt. but the tale is none the less grievous of my young life here and there is the more pity of it that mine is not the only story of such things many and many is the weary life led by some high-born lady in her castle while her lord fights or jousts or drinks his life out in his own selfishness through those long years of the War of the Three Jeans, I suffered not alone of women, and how I suffered, thou canst never know. Do thou not likewise with thy frail Lenore? Stay with her here a little while, and make her life what it might be made with love. Geralt listened in non committal silence. When she finished, he turned and faced her squarely. Hast made this prate of my father and thee to Lenore? he asked severely. Geralt! The exclamation escaped involuntarily when it was out eleanor bit her lip and drew herself up haughtily thou art insolent she said in a tone that she would have used to an inferior in that moment her son found something in her to admire but the man and master in him was all alive madame we will waste no further words i crave the honour to wish you a good night and with a profound and ironical bow he turned from the room leaving Eleanor alone to the darkness, and to what was a defeat as bitter as any she had ever known. Through the watches of the night this woman did not pray, but sat, and meditated on the immense question that she had herself raised, and to which she had not the courage to give the true answer. Through her nearest and dearest she had learned the natures of men, knew full well their only aims and interest, prowess in arms, hunting, hawking, drinking, and when they were weary dalliance with their women but was this all was this all there was for any woman in the mind of the man that loved her the idea of rebellion against the scorn of men was not at all in her mind she only wondered sadly how she and others of her sex came to be born so keenly sentient so open to heart-wounds as they were and she divined that her question burned no less in the brain of the young lenore than in her own though neither of them ever spoke of it together nor did either make any roundabout inquiries as to geralt's intentions with regard to Rens. not so however the demoiselles of the castle courtois was under a hot fire of inquisition throughout most of the following two days But for once he himself was uncertain of his lord's move, And presently there was a little air of joy creeping over the place in the shape of a hope that the seigneur was going to remain in Crepuscula. This, indeed, was the secret idea of Courtois, and only David the dwarf refused to entertain a suspicion that Geralt would not ride to Rennes for the tourney. David judged well, for Geralt went to Rennes. Lenore knew on the tenth of the month that he would go madame remained in doubt till the day before the departure on the morning of the twelfth the whole castle was astir by dawn Geralt and esquire bravely arrayed came into the great hall at five o'clock and sat down to their early meal on the right hand of the signora was lenore not eating only looking about her on the fresh morning light and again into Geralt's face she was not under any stress of motion she was rather very dull and heavy-eyed yet down in her heart lay a smothered pain that she felt must come forth before long in what form she could not tell she and Geralt did not talk much together there was a little strain between them that was none the less certain because it was indefinable and it was a relief to the young wife when madame finally appeared lenore saw eleanor's face with something of surprise Never had it been so cold, so expressionless, so like a piece of chiselled marble, and looking upon her son, it grew yet harder, yet colder. But when madame, after some little parley with Courtois, turned finally to Lenore, the child-wife found something in that face that came dangerously near to melting her apathy, when freeing the flood of grief that lay deep in her heart. Half an hour later, the knight and esquire were in the courtyard, where their horses stood ready for the mount. The little company of the castle gathered close about their master, watching him as they might have watched some mythical god. Indeed, he was a brave sight, as he stood there in the early sunshine, flashing with armor, a gray plume floating from his helmet, and one of Lenore's small gloves fastened over his visor as a gauge. Lenore beheld this with infinite gentle pride, as she stood fixing his great lance in its socket. Presently, two of the squires helped him to mount to the saddle, and when he was seated— He lifted Lenore up to him to give her good-bye. A few tears ran from her eyes, and rolled silently down his breastplate, on which they gleamed like clustered diamonds, but Lenore wiped them away with her hair, that they might not tarnish the metal of his trappings, and by that act, perhaps, Geralt lost a blessing. The last kiss that he gave her was a long one, and his last words almost tender. Then putting her to the ground again, he saluted his mother, though her coldness struck him to the heart and after a final farewell to the assembled company he turned and gave the sign of departure to courtois spurs struck flank at the same instant the two horses darted forward to the drawbridge across which they had presently clattered Alix, who had been a silent spectator of the scene of departure was standing near lenore and now she leaned over and would have whispered in the young wife's ear but lenore could not have heard her had she spoken the child stood like a statue blind to everything save to the blaze of passing armour deaf to all but the echo of flying hoofs here she stood in the centre of the courtyard alone with her strange little life watching the swift-running steed carry from her all her power of joy with straining eyes she saw the two figures disappear down the long winding hill and when they had gone, and only a lazily rising dust-cloud remained to mark their path, she stayed there still. But presently Eleanor came to her side, and took her cold hand in a hot pressure, and then, as the two bereft women looked into each other's eyes, the frozen grief melted at last, and the flood burst upon them in all its overwhelming fury. End of chapter 8